Hi, welcome to the Acts Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Today's message is titled, Good Convictions. Uh, because it's so important for us to have good convictions. You know, recently as I was preparing what message to speak, I felt God say that I want you to take summer. And summer's a great time because the sun is out. And summer's a great time for the students because school is out. And summer's a great time for basically anyone because, you know, it just feels more chilled and relaxed and good vibes all around. But the Holy Spirit recently gave me this revelation that for us as a church, summer, He wants to use summer as a half-time discussion and strategy meeting with us. Do you understand? Those of you who watch football, you know, your favourite team is either doing very well at the first half or doing very badly for the first half. Doesn't change the fact that when the whistle blows, half-time, they all go into the locker room where they freshen up they get refreshed, but they also re-strategize. And they, they review, oh, a lot of re's. Well, refresh, re-strategize, review. And they review how they've been doing, and then they plan so that for the next half, they can come back and win it. And if you've been winning, God wants you to win it all the way. If you felt that you've been losing, God wants you to win again. Does it make sense? And so, I want to take this opportunity to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and God wants to go us deeper. And that's why I want to talk to us about convictions today. God wants us not just to be people who subscribe to the values in the Bible, but to be people who live out those values with convictions. Now, a conviction means to be you know, strongly believing or to have strong opinions uh, of a certain value or a uh, you know, or, or certain way of thinking. You know, many times when you look at the Bible, there are a lot of things we think a Christian should do. The question is, are we doing it? You know, it's, it's pointless to just walk around memorizing the Bible, to walk around saying that, I know the Bible says this or that. The question is, are you living it out? You know, Jesus died for us to live it out. And so today, I want us to begin to know how to live out, begin to know how to have, make good convictions and have good convictions. Amen? And it's so important for us uh, to have this and to do this. In fact, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that having good convictions as a believer is like having good core muscles. And those of you who work out, you know that it's not about the size of your guns. You know, have you met people like that before? Because nowadays, going to the gym and working out is so aesthetic. People just want to get the abs. People just want to get the butt. People just want to get the arms. People just want to get whatever they want to get, you know. Places, some places they want big, some places they want small. But it's all for the gram. It's all for the aesthetic. Uh, but, but, but if you talk to people who are really into healthy living, if you talk to people who really know their stuff, they'll say that the most important uh, muscle is your core muscle. That's why some people, they have huge arms but very lousy stamina. You know, some people, they have, you know, uh, very nice, well-toned legs but, but their upper body is, is lousy. And then so core, core. And so today's points are spelled out for you. C-O-R-E, core. So have that in mind so it helps you to remember. And uh, with that, let's also turn to our main scripture that we want to look at today, which is in 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're going to go through the whole chapter, the whole of chapter 11, 2 Samuel. Those of you who are at homes, we touch on the character of uh, Uriah a little bit, and I thought today, uh, what a great opportunity to go a little bit deeper. And uh, there's so much to unpack, so much to learn, 
And I uh, just can't wait to get into God's Word with you. And so if you're there, can you hear a good amen? Amen. That's a good amen. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And right now, even as we want to go into it, Lord, we are not here for entertainment. We're not here for information. We're here for transformation. God, as we read your word, let every letter, every verse, every sentence, let it jump out and come alive from the Bibles, from the devices we're reading it from, and let it leap into our hearts. Come and transform us from the inside out so that we become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So you have this story, and uh, this is, believe it or not, one of my favorite parts of the Bible, one of my favorite uh, accounts in the Bible, and I explain to you why uh, in a while, but let's read first. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it happened in the spring of the year at a time when kings would go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is, is this not Bathsheba, the, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messages to her and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her. In other words, they... They had sex. For she was cleansed from her impurity and she returned to her house. So, they, so David was supposed to go out to fight the battles. The king is supposed to fight. Instead, he sent his generals out to fight the battles and then he chilled at home and then he did the naughty uh, with someone he was not supposed to. And the woman conceived. And so she sent and told him, David, I am with child. And David said, oh no. Said to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing, how the people were doing, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house, wash your feet. You know, you've been fighting such a good battle. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. Wow. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah didn't go down to his house. David said to Uriah, do you not go, come from a journey? Why do you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in open fields. Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink and to lie with my wife? In other words, have sex with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will do no such thing. Then David said to Uriah, wait here today. And tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next as we are. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him and he made him drunk, thinking that, ah, oh, this time he's going to do it. And at evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but did not go down to his own house. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying that set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned to Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab and some of the people of the servants of David fell and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war and charged the messenger saying, when you have finished telling the matters of the war to the king, if it happens that the king's wrath rises and he says to you, why did you approach so near the city when you fought? Do you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck down Abimelech, the son of Jerubesheth? 
Was it not a woman who cast a piece of milestone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you go near the wall? Then, he shall, then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent by him. And the messenger said to David, Surely the man prevailed against us and came out to us in the field. Then he, we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. Then the archers shot from the wall at your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. And David said to the messengers, Thus you shall say to Joab, Do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as the other. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. So encouraged him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And one more verse. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Why this is one of my favourite accounts is because of the honesty. A lot of people say, can the Bible be trusted? You know, what if it's just man-made propaganda? No man-made propaganda will put in this chapter. No man-made propaganda would, would write the shameful account of the falling of one of its prized heroes. David. This is David, warrior king David. This is you no know, God's beloved David. This is, you know, David who will usher in the, the, the coming of Jesus. That's why Jesus, he was also called a descendant, aka son of David. And so if this was man-made, if this was propaganda, if this was made just for political reasons, for, for whatever reasons, whether the, the Bible is used as a political tool, this chapter would have been censored. If the Bible was used as, as a, you know, a religious propaganda, this chapter would be censored. This chapter is put in to show to us once and for all that only God is good. That, that no matter how great the heroes of this world is, we all are imperfect. We all have weaknesses. And it's only a matter of time. A hero living long enough can become a villain. And so in this chapter, we have this account, very straightforward account. And many times we read at this and we, we focus on the downfall of David. That's not what we want to focus on today. No, we want to focus on Uriah. And while Uriah might look like the ultimate victim in this case, can you imagine you know, you, you, you're, you're Uriah. You know, you're, you're one of David's mighty men. And he was. You know, David had 300 mighty men. His SEAL team, 300. Not six, but 300. And of these 300, there was 30 captains. Uriah was one of those captains. One of those people that was like his elite of the elite. The best of the best of the best. And, and yet, David took advantage of this man who was out there fighting for him. Took his wife behind his back. And when they, when they had an affair, when that affair uh, had left evidence of a child, he was thinking, oh, how can I cover it up? So let me call Uriah back from the, from the battlefield and let him sleep with the wife. And so he would think that this child that will come in nine months' time will be his. Ha, 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 ha. But Uriah didn't do that. You know, and, and when he tried to get him drunk, oh, maybe he just needed some motivation, some Dutch courage. So let's liquor him up and send him back to the wife. Yet he didn't do that. He was a man of convictions. And, and, and in the end, David go like, oh man, you're forcing my hand. I had to, I had to take you out. I had to kill you. And, 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 and the crime, the crime that David did, that's why in the last verse, it's so important for us to read the last verse. This, this please. God. This hurt God. This, this made God angry. Because not only did David ordered for Uriah to be taken out, to be set up for murder. 
Uriah delivered his own death note. Uriah was the one who carried the message. Coming back, oh, I just came back from the king. Hey, general, this is the king's message. Okay, okay, give me what does the king want? And then basically the message read, this person that passed you this message, take him out. And, and there was such a big conspiracy and not only did Uriah go out and fight but he fell and again, it might look on the surface that his story ended there, but I'm here to tell you that the story never ends for people with good convictions. And that's why I want to help us to become people uh, that are steadfast, people uh, that God can depend on. And I'll come back at the end of the message to talk, talk to you about you know, the power of having good convictions. But let's first of all talk about how to get some good convictions in. So what makes a good conviction? You know, what makes a good conviction? Is it just about agreeing with God's values? No, it's about living it out. But it's not just about living it out when we please. How many know that most of the time when you read the Bible, you actually have no issues with the Bible? The issue is, can you do it all the time? So the first point to form our strong core muscle that will give us a good conviction, point number one, C, for consistency. Let's take one of the values of the Bible, for example. Honor God in your finances. And none of us would disagree. Of course, I will honor God my finances. But let me make my millions first. Of course, I'll honor God my finances. But not this month. Because this month, a little bit tight. But the key here is consistency. Uriah wasn't just a man of conviction. He was a man of consistency. Whether he was on the battlefield or off the battlefield, his conviction to do the right thing was there. No matter if he was back there, can you imagine? Man, I know most of you are not married, so I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't have used sex as such a blatant example, but let's use something else, okay? Let's use something else. You know, can you imagine if you're out here studying so hard and your mom or your dad suddenly calls you to say that, hey, son, daughter, you've been working so hard, we just bought you first-class tickets. You know, come back home. You know, come back home and, 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 and have some good food with us. Come back home. And, and so you fly back home. You meet your parents, give you a hug. And then they put out a huge spread. They bring you to the best, you know, Chinese restaurant. Or, or maybe even better, just to keep things international, they bring you to the latest Michelin star restaurant. And they pay for you to have a 15-course taster menu. And then as you sit there, you suddenly realize, hey, it's not prayer and fasting season back in UK. It's, it's, this is during U-turn, 21 days of prayer and fast. And as you sat there, you go like, you know what? How can I feast when my brothers and sisters, when my church in the UK is fasting and praying for each other's breakthrough? You know what? I'm going to fast all 15 courses of this three Michelin star tasting menu. Now, how many of you would do that? Nobody, nobody. Immediately be like, you know, Pastor Don't say, see, God bless me, you see, God. No, no, no. If, if God didn't want it to happen, He wouldn't allow the, the plane ticket to reach me. Pastor, you don't understand. Yet, consistency. You see, we, we don't disagree the Bible, but we disagree with how we need to constantly live it out. Oh God, no. Does it really say? In fact, the consistency we argue with, sometimes we argue, oh, but, but this is old-fashioned, right? You know, when the Bible talks about purity, oh, this is old-fashioned, right? 
This is, this is for the people in the, I don't know, BC era. It doesn't, surely it doesn't apply to us now. You know, who we can love and whatnot. You know, surely it doesn't apply. I mean, this is, this is the freedom I have in Christ. You know, consistency. Having good convictions is about being consistent in our walk with God. Being consistent in living out for God. Because tough times will come. The question is not, when the good times will you praise God? It's in the tough times. Will you, will you still love God? Would you still beat your heart and go like, you know what, I got to be consistent. I got to be consistent. Amen? So, so I want us to be people of conviction. I want us to be people of good consistency. Point number two, obedience. But specifically, obedience towards God. How do you form convictions? How do you form a strong opinion of a biblical value? First of all, you've got to be consistent. But secondly, you've got to interpret it in obedience to God. What was Uriah's defense? The king. This is the king. This was his boss. It could be your parent in your life. It could be your boss in your life saying, hey, come on, man. Relax. Come on, man. Fudge the numbers. Come on, man. You know, look the other way. Come on, man. And yet, Uriah said that, how, how can I do this when his motivation is this? Let's flash up all the scriptures again. When it says that, how can I do this when Israel is out there? How can I do this when the ark of the Lord? You see his motivation. He was talking to his king. And it was almost like indirectly. He wasn't planning to, but it was, it was like an indirect rebuke, even though it wasn't a rebuke. He was just being so consistent. That he said, how, how, can, I, how can I enjoy when, when God himself you know, uh, the next page. You know, how can I do this when, 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 you know, the ark and Israel. Do you notice that he didn't even put Israel first? He put the ark. The ark, Israel and Judah, then the generals, then my brothers. His obedience was to God and God first. My question to you is God prepares us for a halftime review, refreshing, re-strategizing, How's your obedience? How's your obedience? When God says something, do we obey? When God challenges, do we obey? And yet Uriah obeyed. In the face of the king, he obeyed God. In the face of your friends, would you obey God? In the face of people you respect, would you obey God? In the face of your boss, or your future boss, would you obey God? You know, in, in front of your peers, would you obey God? And yet, Uriah obeyed God. He's like, just keep talking to the king. Think, think about it. You know, can you imagine? It's, it's like church is going through a prayer and fasting season, and then suddenly I get like a golden envelope, not from a chocolate factory, but from Buckingham Palace. Oh, wow. And I crack open with royal seal. And then here's a, you know, Her Majesty the Queen would like to invite you to have tea with her because she's heard of the good work that you're doing. You know, make believe, make believe, right? That's why it's so ridiculous. And can you imagine your pastor going there? And then he's like, oh, Queen with the tea. I can't, I, can't, I can't deny Queen with the tea. I guess I have to go meet the Queen over tea. But it's also fasting season. How many know that if this was the case, I am sure that I would have the whole church's blessing. Pastor, eat. Pastor, drink. 
drink on our behalf and tell us how the tea tastes like. Eat on our behalf and let us know whether the, the sandwiches, is it, is it Pratt? Or is it Mark and Spencer level? Or is it Fortnum and Mason? Please try the jam. Please try the cold cream. And please, Pastor, tell us whether the Queen pronounces it scone or scones. And yet, Uriah denied the king. Uriah said no to the king. He obeyed God so much that he was willing to say no to the king. Do you obey God that much? There's a heart check message, friends. How's your walk with God? Oh, it's fine. I read the Bible every day. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Fine, 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 fine. But how's your obedience? How's your obedience? Can you imagine me going there? Queen, I can't. My church is praying and fasting. So we'll chat. Because I, I, I didn't fast talking. So I'll chat with you. And I'll, 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 I'll do whatever it takes, Your Majesty. But I'm so sorry. I can't enjoy this. Oh, great. It smells very nice. I can't enjoy, you know, this uh, scones. By the way, do you call it scones or scones? You know, and... <laughs> Obedience. Point number three. Respect. Respect for his fellow men. Another word for respect, honour. Is there honour in your life? How do, you, how do you become a Christian with good convictions? Is it just about, I love God, but to, to have a full worship of God. You've got to love Him with your all, obedience, and love your neighbour as yourself. And love is a strong thing, but honour. Because sometimes our friends are doing things that is impossible for us to love. But can we still respect them? Can we still show honour to them? And Uriah showed honour. Uriah showed honour. He's there going like the ark... Israel, Judah, and my general, and my brothers in arms. They're fighting out there. They're fighting for our freedom. They're fighting for our right to even have these conversations. I can't. I can't. I can't go back there and, and, and be seen like, oh, I got special treatment. I, he showed honour. Let me ask you this. Is there honour in your life? When was the last time you honoured someone? I mean honour, I mean go above and beyond. You know, it's not just about, oh, tit for tat. That's not honour. You know? And we, we always say, you know, honour, honour your elders. It's just sometimes when you go out, you let them eat first. I hope that's what you do. Honour your parents. That's why, you know, people ask, you know, how, how do I honour my parents? And, you know, even though they, they don't stand for me, but, but the Bible says, honour your parents. Doesn't change the fact that honour it's a quality. We've got to ask ourselves, you know, in your dealings, in your day-to-day -day dealings in the office, is there honour? Are you someone who goes to the office and steals all the pencils? Is there honour? Why do you think your, 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 your pastors, you know, uh, 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 make it a point wherever we go to talk to people, make friends with the, the, the people who serve us in this conferencing facility? Honour. Honour. It's not just about what well, we pay for this, so it's our right to demand as many pencils as we want. Honour. Is there honour in your life? No, I, I won't say, when was the last time you honoured your pastor? Well, well, you, you did that. You, you all stand and you, you welcome me. Thank you so much. You know? I know this church loves me. You want me to have tea with the queen. I, I know that. <laughs> you, know, you, you won't hold it against me. You know, even though it's fasting, you won't count that one day. You, know, you won't make me fast additional day. Thank you, church. I know. But 
honor. Amen. Do we, do we honor God? It all links right to God. Do you, do you obey God? What's conviction? It's about con- being consistent with God. What's conviction? It's about being obedient to God despite all else. What's, consi- what's, what's conviction? It's about honoring God, about making Him proud. Not just saying, oh, well, the Bible doesn't technically say, so technically I can fill in the blank. No, but when you honor, you go above and beyond. Those of us who are in a relationship, do you honor your girlfriend? Or do you play octopus? <laughs> but we're going to get married one day. One day is not today. <laughs> and that one day might not come if you don't honor God. Until that one day happens, that potentially can be, I'm not saying that, you know, your relationship will not work out, but that person potentially is somebody else's wife or husband. Is there honor? Is there honor? You know, we always say this, you know, yeah, when you go out, when you date, make sure there's always room for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and that's just your pastor's way of saying, don't be so close, okay? Don't be so close. But what is it really about? Is it a proximity thing? Because you, you can, you know, it's about honor. Amen? Point number four. Excellence. Excellence. Do you know, yeah, we talk about Uriah's consistency. We talk about Uriah's obedience towards God, that he loved God. He loved God so much. Do you know Uriah constantly mentioned Uriah the Hittite, Uriah the Hittite, which means that there must be something about his non-Jewishness that was very obvious. It could be his skin colour. It could be his hair. Could be the only person in the battlefield with an afro. I don't know what it is. But his standing out was obvious. And Hittites are not Israelites. But do you know Uriah is a Hebrew name? Uriah in Hebrew means Jehovah is my light. That means this was a person who was, even though born a foreigner, made a decision to follow God. Adopted a new name. And chose to live according to that name. Do we call ourselves Christians? Are we choosing to live according to that name? So not only was there consistency in his life, what a great guy. Not only was there obedience to God in his life, what a great guy. Not only was there respect. Man, don't you want a friend like that? Don't you want a friend? You know, can you imagine <laughs> your friend who, you know, you're, you're, you're in there doing group assignment to talk to the students first. You know, and then this guy, you know, he gets called to the dean's office because he won a book prize and, and he gets to have tea with the dean and whatnot. And then you're there, you are slaving in the workshop. Yeah, 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 this guy made it. Even without this project, he was still passed with honours and first class, blah, blah, blah. And he comes back and says, guys, I brought back food from the dean's table. Man, that's honour, isn't it? Yeah, the same thing, you know, when, when, can you imagine, wow, this, 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 this guy, can you imagine, Uriah modern day working in the office. The boss calls him and the boss obviously wants Uriah to help him cover up something and say, hey, Uriah, how are you doing? Good job. Hey, here's, here's a five months bonus for you, Uriah. Five months bonus? But all my other colleagues haven't had increment. In fact, we, we only just had a, a, a 2% increment. How can I walk back with this five months bonus? No, boss, unless I get to split this with all of my friends. I'd rather not have this bonus. How many want a colleague like that? Amen? 
How, how do you become someone? Like, wouldn't it be awesome if Christians were like that? Wow. Wouldn't it be awesome if it wasn't just Uriah, but Christians? Wouldn't it be awesome if Christians in the workplace were known to be one of the most honourable people? Wouldn't it be awesome if, if Christians in the group assignments were known to be one of the most honourable people? Come on, church, let's, let's, let's bring ourselves back to that place again of having good convictions. But again, I know I did a detour, so point number four, you're waiting, where, Pastor, where's this going? Excellence. He went above and beyond. Because technically, it wasn't illegal for him to do any of that. Because he's innocent. He didn't know that he was being called to cover up something. So he could have slept with the wife. Why? Because it's his wife. He didn't run away from battle. He got called back for battle. He, the king invited him to eat. The king gave him blessing to do the deal with the wife. The king gave the full endorsement and yet he had a spirit of excellence that says that I won't just do what's permissible, I'll go above and beyond. See, in the world that we live in today, you know, we got to learn to be believers that will go above and beyond. You know, I used the example of Gareth earlier on. You know, nobody asked him to draw and to bring out his artistic talent on that beautiful piece of paper that is only there. Do you know... Why I call it a work of art? Because it's only there for today. It, 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 it's, that, it's that, I don't know, that, that you know, it's, it's that elusiveness of that piece of artwork that makes it valuable. Nobody asks, Gareth. We technically don't need that, but excellence makes you go above and beyond. He could have used whatever stationery that is provided, but excellence makes you bring your own stationery. The same thing with our hospitality team. Excellence. Amen? Come on. Got to hear a better amen for our hospitality team, especially those who have been eating every week. People ask me all the time, Pastor, do you try my home-baked tart? I go like, no, I didn't. Why? Because the food is for newcomers. Oh. Because you just realised you had your fifth tart that day. We always tell, you know, Bess. You know, I say that, do you know? I know, you know, it's tough because, you know, Bess was in charge of our hospitality. She's a PhD student. But many people don't know that a PhD student is not just a student, it's work. It's work. You're not just a student, it's work. And she's a young working adult. It's just called student on a technical basis. As a young working adult, it's tough on her. And many times I tell her this, I go like, Bess, do you know that you can always ask the help of uh, these two church members who, you know, never come to church, you know? Their names are Mark and Spencer. And, uh, you know, they, they say they're very busy with their business, uh, but they say anytime the church needs hospitality, they will be able to provide. And so I say, please, Bess, don't work yourself to the bone. Please call Mark and Spencer and ask them to help with some hospitality because they do a decent job. And yet many times, Bess will just refuse. Why? Excellence. Worship team, why do they practice, you know, I won't embarrass her, but there's one girl in church who would traditionally, previously joining, before joining us, she used to go to a Chinese church. So all the songs we sing in English is completely foreign to her. And so every time she goes for worship practice, she's learning new songs every week. She's not just repeat playing a song that you know. She's learning new songs every week and yet no complaint excellence. 
excellence. You know, some, some people, you know, you go above and beyond. I know some people in church will intentionally schedule their holidays. Like I said, it's nothing illegal with indulging. There's nothing illegal with Uriah indulging in all that David gave him permission to do, but his excellent spirit made him go further, made him go the extra mile. And there are people in church that it's not illegal to take holidays. It's not illegal to be away. And yet there are people who go, no, no, but, but hey, Sundays are precious. There's only 52 Sundays. There's only 52 Sundays a year. 52 opportunities for me to worship God together with my corporate church family. 52 precious Sundays. There's 365 days minus 52. I have, because I, I can't do much that fast. But those remaining days, after 365 minus 52, I can take all those days, not all those days, but I can take any of those days as my holiday. But I'm going to make a point that these 52 Sundays are almost like my tithe unto God. Nobody asks. That's not even the Bible. But when you have an excellent spirit, you go above and beyond. You go above and beyond. You think about. And when you combine all these things, that makes a good conviction. You know, I know some people uh, ask me, you know, pastor, you know, uh, what kind of uh, a drink? And again, nothing, nothing wrong with alcohol. You can, you know, can drink whatever you want. Just don't get drunk. And, uh, you know, but people ask me, you know, oh, uh, uh, Pastor Dave, you know, uh, what, what type of wine do you like? Or what type of beer do you like? And I go like, oh, I don't really know. Not, not a really, no, I've got nothing. And I also want to clarify because I don't want people to think that, oh, you know, my, my pastor is against me. Uh, no, you know, everything you do, just... How do, you, how do you know? Let's use this example. Let's talk about some gray areas. Let's, let's talk about alcohol consumption, right? Because sometimes people get all nervous about it. So how do you know whether your stand is the right stand? Uh, apply your core, right? H- how do you act with alcohol, without alcohol, should be consistent? If you can't be consistent, don't. With or without alcohol, your obedience to God must always come first. Uh, Pastor, I don't know, no, I, I, was, I didn't mean to touch the girl. <laughs> the alcohol made me do that. I will kill you. <laughs> and then, uh, then I will repent. Okay? Alright? Yeah, any Me Too complaints in church, it's okay, we will sort it out in the Old Testament style. <laughs> and then ask for New Testament forgiveness. No, I'm just joking. Just... Your obedience to God. Right? And, and if you go like, uh, I'm not sure, then don't. With or without alcohol, can you still carry yourself with respect and keep the respect of your fellow men and respect your fellow men and women? Oh, I'm not sure if I can. Then don't. Excellence. Yeah? How, 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 let's talk about other great stuff. Let's talk about money. Ooh, Pastor, don't, don't, don't. Don't. It's okay. Jesus spoke about money more times than he did about faith. So it's okay. I'm just following up to Jesus' footsteps. Oh, pastor, how much? You know, how should I use my money? You know, how should the church use my money? You know, consistency. All right? When you have money or when you don't have money, your attitudes to, towards money should be the same. When, when it comes to money, are you handling money in obedience to God? When you have money, are you, you know, because right now there's, can I be honest, there's this Instagram page I like to check out every now and then. It's called Preachers and Sneakers. I'm, I, I, I'm just 
getting fashion tips. That's, that's all I'm getting. That's all I'm getting. No judgment, no condemnation. Uh, I just want to be part of the conversation, okay? So, uh, and, uh, it, but you got to ask yourself, right? With money, and with money, I can buy all these kind of things, but how should I carry myself? Can I still carry myself with respect? You know, how, how can I, as a believer, you know, be driving around in the Mercedes-Benz latest class series, because I know nothing about cars, God help me, when I know there's a need in the church, a brother can't even get to work. Do you understand? I'm not saying that don't afford that car, but when you have that car, can you still live a life where you are able to show love and respect to your fellow men? That's how you should handle resources. Do you know why the world is, is angry when people see extravagance? It's because that extravagance is so selfish in nature. There's no ripple effect to them. There's no ripple effect blessing to them. Amen? We're going to ask ourselves, excellence. You know, excellence is thinking about all this. Excellence is wanting to go above and beyond. Excellence. And so when you have this, you begin to form in you core spiritual muscles that will be able to help you walk a life of good convictions. But this is where I want to bring us back to the power of good convictions. Because on the surface, it looked like Uriah had the worst deal dealt to him. We know in the end that he died. He was a conspiracy of murder. He was betrayed by the king he was fighting to protect. Ouch. I mean, whoever thought the Bible was boring, just point them to this scripture. Man, there's like affairs, there's warfare, there's fun fact. No, no fun fact. But you know, there's, there's everything. Oh man, it's, 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 it's drama involved. But how many of you are so glad that it doesn't end there? So you can go back and read the rest of chapter 12 and 13, but I'm here to give you the summary of the story. So yes, Uriah died, but God didn't forget him. And his death actually created huge spiritual ramifications. Uriah was a warrior for God. And Uriah fought and died protecting the God he loved, or specifically protecting the kingdom of God that he loved. But his death also protected Israel from further corruption. His death, his heinous death, caused the hand of God to move and God moved and sent a prophet called Nathan to confront the king and revealed his sins and the king repented. And that's why today we can still say Jesus, son of David. Because he could have been a Saul, first king of Israel, but you don't hear so-and-so, son of Saul. In fact, the only person in the New Testament with the name Saul also had to change his name to Paul. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Uriah's convictions, even though he died, even though he was the ultimate victim, unleashed God's power and brought down a bigger enemy to the state of Israel than they even realised. Out there, they were fighting a physical battle, not realizing that the real battle at that moment was a spiritual battle for the king's soul. And Uriah gave his life to 
win that battle. This is the power of good convictions because in life, there are things where we're up against where the question you ask yourself is this, can one man make a difference? I ask myself that all the time. Can, can one man make a difference in London? Can one pastor make a difference in London? Can one couple make a difference in London? Can one church make a difference in London? Yesterday, they just had a parade for a value that we don't stand for as a church. And 1.5 million people went out to celebrate a value that is in contrary to God's value. And sometimes when you look at that, you feel like a minority. Not only are you a minority, but your values are of a minority. And then you ask yourself, can, can, can my faith make a difference in this city that seems to have turned its back against God? I think of the recent situation in Hong Kong. And we have some church members from Hong Kong. Of course, you know, I'm not here to talk about politics, but people ask, oh, can, you know, what, what good can the protest achieve? It's China we're dealing with. If they, if they, if they even postpone this bill from passing, it's just a matter of time before another bill is suggested. It's only a matter of time before China comes in strong, it's only a matter of time before Hong Kong just comes and is, you know, merged back with China once and for all. Again, I, I don't know where you're from. I'm not here to say whichever side is right or wrong, right? Politics is complicated like that because all men are imperfect, only God is good. But I'm just saying the helplessness of that situation. And can I only imagine on the other side, people in China probably thinking, what, what is this people in Hong Kong doing? Can't they see that this is giving... China a bad name? And then people say, but you know, Hong Kong people will be Hong Kong people. And then, and then people will tell the Hong Kong people, you know, Chinese government will be the Chinese government. And I, both sides, you have people that feel like this is, how do we change something that is so much bigger? How do you change something that is so institutionalized? How do you, how do you change? Do you feel that way? When you go to work and you feel discrimination, how do you change discrimination that you know, it's institutionalized. Do you go to work and feel racism? How do you change a, a nation that, that racial issues, is, is, it's, you don't even know where to start? Uriah didn't know where to start. In fact, Uriah didn't know that he had to start. And yet Uriah's life of conviction opened up heaven's window. Our job is not to fix the world. Our job, maybe I shouldn't use a job because how we know that following Jesus is not a job, right? We don't get paid for it. But our focus is living for God. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't march when there's something worthwhile to march. And yet, our focus should be on living for God. And when you live for God, with a good conviction, God declares you righteous. And God, the Bible, is full of promises and blessings on how God, how God will intervene for the sake of the righteous. The Bible says that the righteous will not need to beg for bread. The Bible says the righteous, the, 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 the prayer of the righteous avails much. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro around the earth 
looking for people whose hearts are totally devoted to Him to show Himself strong on their behalf. Righteousness. And so this is the power of good conviction. It's not just about all living a good Christian life, being consistent in my walk with Jesus. It's that when you do that, you bring so much more change to your company than you realize. You bring so much more change to your family than you realize. The Bible says again and again, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It is against principalities, powers, and spiritual forces in the air. A lot of things that we face battles with as a believer, it has, it has almost like spiritual forces playing puppeteer. Do you think the parade yesterday was just a parade? There's spiritual forces playing puppeteer. Do you think laws are just laws? There are spiritual forces playing puppeteer. Do you think your family is the way your family is at? No, there are spiritual forces playing puppeteer. Oh, don't pass you don't understand my industries like that. There are spiritual forces playing puppeteer. So what do we do? Call the Ghostbusters. What do we do? Start being hyper-spiritual Christians. No, pastor, that's why I carry a jar of olive oil wherever I go. Because before going out, you know, I, I bless my car. Before going to my office, I bless, I anoint my desk. I anoint my pencil. I anoint my boss. I bring holy water. No, 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 no. See, that, that makes us weird. That's not what God didn't ask you to be weird. God asks you to be consistent. God asks you to be obedient. God asks you to have honour, respect. God asks us, demands of us to be excellent and leave the pulling down to Him. And while yes, we know there are a lot of spiritual forces puppeteering things in our life, obstacles in our life, but how many also know that we have victory once and for all in Jesus? And yet those people can try to puppeteer, but I know who holds the future. You might try to manipulate, but I know who has conquered the grave. His name is Jesus and He loves me and I love Him and that's the focus of what I want to do. I want to live every day of my life focusing on loving Jesus. And then God will begin to use that righteous living to pull down and suddenly you start seeing changes in your workplace. Why? Not because you sign a petition, not because you, you complain to HR. How many know that sometimes HR is rigged? I was just having a com conversation with a brother. I said, your HR feels rigged. He says, I, I think so too, Pastor. So you go to the higher HR. God. And then we go to God, you see. God, you see. But I'm going to, despite the opposition, I'm going to be consistent. Despite the challenges, I'm going to be obedient. Despite everything, I'm going to be respectful and excellent. And God, I will let you pull down the strongholds that you deem to pull down. Uriah protected the king more than the king realized. The king plotted to have Uriah killed, but Uriah was so consistent that even his death protected the king. And so you might be thinking, Pastor, are you saying that we might die? No, but I'm saying that as you die to yourself, God will begin to pull down strongholds in your life, begin to change things that you never thought. So let me ask you this question, or maybe let me declare this one more time. Can one man make a difference in London? In the UK, with good conviction, yes. Can one couple make a difference in London, in UK, with good conviction, yes. Can one church, I don't know, when you look around in our church, what do you see? I see potential. 
I see victory. I see growth. I see London. I see UK. I see the nations. And we, so we're not just one church. We're one church with good convictions. And not only is this country not going to be an issue for us, but the nations will not be an issue for us. And I'm glad that as a church, we're already investing to the nations and we'll continue to invest to the nations because that's what having good convictions is all about. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.